Man, God is good. Amen? He is good all the time. Wow. How have you guys been enjoying this series so far? <clears throat> it's relationships. Any relationships getting better? <laughs> Any relationships getting a little more strained? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so important. Amen? So as we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, you can just recap a little bit. And I like to talk about the soul a lot because a lot of human beings have all these faculties in the soul and they never actually, they never relate to them. They just do, 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 you know. But we, what we did realize is over the last couple of weeks that um, we are a living uh, spirit. We have a soul. And in that soul, we have a mind and a will and emotions. Amen. Unfortunately, a lot of people look at the soul as, you know, like a dashboard. When you're looking in your car, you've got the steering wheel, you've got the indicators, you've got the, the fan on and off. You've got all these switches like a cockpit. And people look at the soul as, you know, this is just something that I need to control. They look at the soul as, uh, this is a means for me to control, and then it's a means for, uh, for me to finish off tasks. Are you with me? But we know that it's way deeper than that. Amen? We have all those abilities, but... All the work that the soul needs to do, all the tasks that the soul needs to finish off, all the things have to come through a, a, a meaningful, deep sense of being loved and appreciated. And only when the soul taps into that meaningful experience, then the dashboard doesn't just become tools to get a job done. The dashboard becomes instruments of that feeling. Amen? And we are then able to, to go through life doing the right things, getting the stuff done, but in the process, building beautiful moments with each other. That's it. Amen? That's what you were made for. You were made for that beautiful relationship with God and that beautiful relationship with people. Turn to the people next to you and say, get your leaf, Mensa. Huh? <laughs> yeah, my Afrikaans is really bad. I used to say to my wife, but I know that's totally wrong. Totally wrong. She looked at me like a cow at a new gate every time I was trying to be intimate with her. <clears throat> so we need to understand this stuff, guys. We can't, just go through, we can't just go through life in this cold, calculated, well-oiled machine that just gets everything done and knows exactly what to do and when to do it, we actually never know exactly what to do and how to do it anyway. And that's when we start to put the law on ourselves and that's when we start to condemn ourselves and that's when we start to live bitterly. And, and unfortunately, when we are in that lack, what do we do? We give it to the people around us. You know? Then we start looking at everybody else to fulfill what we should have been fulfilling. Amen? And this is what leads us into codependency. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am only codependent on Jesus, no one else. <laughs> Amen? So we've been learning quite a few of beautiful things here. I mean, what Pastor Tasso mentioned in the beginning that Adam was not, uh, uh, sorry, Eve was not created because Adam was lonely. Are you with me? You know, so many people have got this weird idea of why we were created. Some people think that God created us because he had this lack in him and he was longing for fellowship. God is self-existing, guys. That's it. God lacks nothing. God didn't need us. God wanted us. The moment we think that God created us for a need, we're actually projecting our flawed being, our flawed perspective onto a flawless God. He's in need of nothing. That's it. He is totally, absolutely secure in who he is. He is not like me, and he's not like you. Some people think, you know, our function is here is that God created us to be soldiers to fight the devil and the rebellion. That's your purpose. So all we do is we take instructions, and we follow through, and we go and fight evil. God didn't say that. God didn't call us soldiers. God didn't call us anything else except children. You are his child. He loves you. Amen? You have one purpose. 
You have many gifts and many talents that have been put inside you, and all those things will come to fruition out of that beautiful relationship that you receive. Amen? So we, there is stuff for us to do. There is, there is uh, tasks for us to do. There is work to be done. But everything must be done in the framework of relationship. Amen? If we said to ourselves here as a church family, listen, we, there's, in, there's need of an orphanage here. Guys, we're going to go start building the orphanage. We don't just run out there and build the orphanage. Even while we're building the orphanage, we build relationships. Are you with me? It's not just about building the orphanage. It's about the process of what we're experiencing while we're doing the task. Amen? It's about what we are experiencing with God and with people. That's what grows us as, as human beings. Amen? Otherwise, we're just a bunch of robots fulfilling tasks and finishing off jobs. Are you with me? It's so important. It's so important. We wanna, I, I want to go into some stuff, and then Bash is going to pick up on it. But the importance of knowing what we receive from God, and we said we can't separate what we receive from God to how we treat people. It's impossible. And we need to go back to the Garden of Eden to actually see what the fall of man brought into our lives and how it actually took place. Because this is where it took place, guys. Codependency took place in the Garden of Eden. It is the fall. It's the fall through and through. Amen? So God creates Adam. I'm just going to paraphrase because you guys know the thing. In the words of Joe Biden. <laughs> Please don't paraphrase in the words of Joe Biden. <laughs> if, you, if you hear Joe Biden, he tries to, uh, what is it? Um, it's, it's the declaration. No, what's it? Um, the thing that they um, declare their allegiance to? The Pledge what of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. He's, while he's speaking, whatever, and he goes, yeah, for the land and the free, blah, 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 and he goes, uh, uh, you know the thing. I suppose you had to see it to, to appreciate <laughs> it, but anyway. So, so God creates Adam, and God creates him for this, this beautiful, deep relationship. God gives Adam all this authority on planet Earth. And he says to him, as we've read, he says, listen, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and, and the, the beast of the field, all that you see, all that you can touch, all that you can experience here, I have given you authority over this. And Adam is enjoying himself. I mean, I mean that's, that's very cool. And... Uh, the problem comes in where he needs to dispense this authority, not with his own wisdom. The whole relationship that was based between God and Adam is, I give you uh, responsibility and authority over my creation. It belongs to me. I'm the creator. Now I want to grow you as a human being to a point where you can now See through my eyes, and you can dispense all that authority through my wisdom and with my heart. Are you with me? That was the point of the relationship. And Adam is supposed to grow in this relationship with God. There's a process that has to take place in Adam's heart while he's growing with God. And we all know every relationship is based on one thing, trust. Amen? Trust. So Adam is supposed to trust God in the process of how to manage, how to dispense the wisdom. So the devil comes along and he says, well, listen, yo, don't you know that you can be like God? You can be like God if you eat of this tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. What was on the table? What was the offer? The offer was this. You can rule and reign with this authority that you've been given. You can rule and reign as God. But here's the key. Without the responsibility of trusting God in a relationship. I can give you immediate gratification. I can give you the position to do and, and, and see the way you want to do it without you having to go through any growth between you and God. Without you having to uh, learn, without you having to learn how to trust, 
without you having to grow as an individual into that place that God wants you, I give it to you now. You can take it now. What is that? That is the fall of man at its core. Because the thing that we were created for is the thing that we, do, we never want to do, and that is build trust between people. You see, in order for him to trust God, he had to maintain a relationship. Hello? How can Bash and I have a relation, uh, uh, trust each other without maintaining a relationship? It doesn't happen. You can't do it. So basically what, what it was was that he came to him and he said to him, forget about the walk, forget about the relationship, forget about God. You can do this now in your own strength, in your own way. And from that moment, Adam saw through his own eyes what was value, what was not. How we valued the animals, how we valued the soil, how we valued the scars, how we valued each other. Because at the end of the day, he had never gone through the process that God wanted to dispense the law through him, to teach him, to grow him, to bring him up to a place of maturity. Are you with me? He was like, okay, I'm going to take it. Today, every human problem comes down to the same thing. We're trying to get our meads net outside of trusting God. Are you with me? Yeah. You see, in order for you to be able to trust God, you need to have a relationship. And in the relationship, there's a give and take. Are you with me? And throughout that relationship, I'm going to grow as I give and take. But listen, my flesh don't want to do that. My flesh doesn't want to go through that stuff. My flesh is just, I just want this now. Why must I go through that? Why do I have to put myself through those steps? Why do I have to put myself through that process? I'm just going to take what I want. I'm going to take it now. And unfortunately, he missed out on the opportunity of seeing how much you and I carry value in God's eyes. He missed out on the opportunity how the animals carried value in God's eyes. All of creation was now left to the heart of somebody who wanted nothing to do with relationship, nothing to do with trust. I've got it. I know it. I'm going to do it this way. And today we have a completely fallen, broken world because of that. Amen? It's the thing that we don't want. As people, we don't want those kinds of relationships that are going to challenge us. Why do you think marriage is like, you just mentioned marriage and some guys run out of the room like Pumba, let one go. Huh? Nothing clears a room like Pumba and marriage. Because <laughs> you know why? Because we're selfish. We want it our way. So what we would rather do is, you know, let me not go through this relationship thing. Let me, let me go and choose somebody that I can control. Somebody I can control and manipulate and dominate who's going to give me what I need. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all about us giving and taking, giving and taking. Amen? You see, so if we don't get that process sorted out with God, we're always only going to see people and things in our lives according to what we know. We, they're only going to carry as much value as we can give them. And this is why people fall short when we expect them to give us stuff. We can't because they don't carry it because they're not getting it from God. Are you with me? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationships. Relationship with God first and you second. Say, I am second. Yeah, you know, the side effects of that beginning thing, you know, I, I think we've broken it down a lot of ways, but I hope you guys can see that, you know, uh, Trish always tells us this after every series we do every couple of months. She's like, yeah, you guys are so good at saying the same thing so many different ways. Because, <laughs> you know, the truth, the truth that, that Jesus is, is that simple. It is applicable to every area of your life because it comes down to this simple principle, you know. And over the years, uh, um, generations upon generations from the beginning, you know, the side effect of that decision in the beginning, you know, has been that we've built 
brick upon brick upon brick upon brick through our grandfathers and our grandfathers' fathers and all the way down, eventually adding our own bricks uh, in our own lives, you know, at certain points, but ultimately independent of God, you know. And, you know, the trick is always, like you say, you know, it's that, uh, that impatience, you know, that I can get it now, you know. And, and you look, guys, if you objectively look at every, uh, um, what's the word, tool or everything available in the world, right, to, that's given to you to dispel or manage negative emotion, right, it always comes with an unseen side effect. Are you with me? Always comes with an unseen side effect. And that's what happened in the beginning, is that they told, uh, you know, uh, uh, Adam and Eve were given this information by the devil, and then they were like, wow, this is crazy, not knowing the side effects to come for generations. You know what I'm saying? It's no different with us today. You know, as believers, if we uh, don't get to the point where we can manage the same things that put them in trouble in the beginning, we'll keep seeing the same trouble. Are you guys with me? It's like, no, I want it now. It's like, but wait, hold on. No one says you can't have it. Let's just have the discussion. Are you with me? Right? Same thing happened with, with Jesus in the wilderness. You know, the devil tempted him with all these things. Because when, when does he come to him? When he's tired, he's thirsty, and he's hungry. You know, when his body's weak and he's frustrated because he has to sit in the desert. I don't believe Jesus fasted with a smile on his face. Personally. I don't think so. I don't know. What do you guys think? Think so? <laughs> I don't think he had a smile anymore when the devil came to him and said, listen here, if you are, like, listen here, sucker, <laughs> you know. But how did he deal with it? He didn't deal with it with the insecurity of, oh, I don't know if I'm going to miss my chance to get this thing. No, he dealt with it from the point of relationship with his father because his response was always according to his father. You know what I'm saying? And in Luke chapter 4, 18, let's go there quickly. Luke chapter 4, Lucas. 418, um, obviously this is Jesus rejected at Nazareth, but he reads this, you know, and it's amazing that, you know, he, he addresses all these side effects that he's come to sort out, mm. you know, and he says here, you got it? Luke 418 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? He's literally telling us, hey guys, I'm here now. I've come to tell you that I have a cure to the side effects. Are you guys with me? I've come to tell you I have a cure for the side effects. I've come to restore the way that you all were meant to function, the way we were designed to function. Are you guys with me? And it's important that we have a, a, a clear sense of where these side effects are at play in our lives. You know, it's, it's so difficult uh, in today's world, you know, um, a lot of people find it very difficult to find joy. I don't know about you guys, but how often do you feel, not even months, let's just take it day by day, week by week, how often do you feel like the checklist just doesn't get finished? Anyone? There's always something to do, something to do, something to do. And every turn you take, something's taken from you. And you're like, can I just sit still to have a cup of tea, please? Or coffee, whichever you prefer. Red steamer, right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Joy is something that is so scarce in the world today. Even to believers. Because we're constantly living in our own side effects and other people's side effects. A lot of, all of us have to endure with the government side effects, okay? It's not lacquer, right? But if we don't have a, a, a clear sense of identifying these things, it becomes very difficult to bring ourselves back to the true design. And that's us and God. Receiving from Him and giving to people. Are you with me? Because very quickly, all of a sudden what you do is it's like, oh, there's a challenge next to you, you know, and you'll end up on a discussion. And before you know, it's like, God, I'm going through this because you created me. Did I have to do this? You're like, well, well, hold on. Jeez, let's just take a step back here. Are you guys with me? You know, and all these weird things come up because we, we feel very negative emotions with all the challenges that we're faced with. Are you guys with me? 
I don't know if you know a lot of people who can do very difficult things with a smile on their face, praise God. <laughs> okay. Most of the time they are believers. It's like, okay, you know, God is good. We're going to go through this. You know, it's fine. You look at people who aren't saved, you have to do difficult things. No, you, you're like, like even at work, you know, when the boss comes in and you hear those footsteps. I don't know about you guys, but you know when they're walking down the hallway and you know the footstep. You're like, there's joy in this footstep. There's anger in this footstep. Like I remember when I used to hear the footsteps and they sounded a certain way. Man, that door was closed. I was gone. I made a meeting in 30 seconds. They're like, where's Bashan? Ah, oh, he's in a meeting. Oh, okay, I'll see him later. <laughs> and then you hear the joy footsteps. You're like, oh, it's safe. Let me go back, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about? This is very real things we have to deal with every day. But Jesus here is saying, I've, I've come to set it right. I've come to give you a way out. I've come to restore that which was lost. Amen? So when, we, when we're looking at ourselves, when we're looking at our relationships with people, we need to make sure that we're not making judgments about ourselves based on our side effects, and we're not making judgments about people based on our side effects, or even their side effects, because we are to make judgments based on Jesus. Are you guys with me? And here's the thing, you know. Can I get yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? Um, this morning I shared with, uh, before worship, man, worship, I love that you guys sing, seriously. I'm telling you, we get more here when you guys open your hearts. I promise you, we can feel it. I'm telling you. The one part there, I was laughing, and I'm like, Grant is not here today. I have to play the chords. Because <laughs> I promise you, I was going to be out, eh? I was going to stop. But then it was just going to be Ash and Jess shape. That was going to be tough. Um, but the point I'm making is that, um, what was the point I was making? I was talking about worship. Yeah, before worship, sorry, before worship. And I was sharing with the guys, I said, you know, um, in 2019, you guys know Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, tennis people, right? And uh, they, they played a Wimbledon semifinal. And you know, it was emotional for me because I'm like, this is potentially the last time we're going to see these guys play each other, you know? And if you know tennis, you know? So uh, Super Sports, you know, they, they, they tell you to tweet out, you know? And then they put it on the screen. My tweet made it on the screen, guys. I screenshot it. I took a picture. I was like, let's go. I have the evidence. Let's go. And funnily enough, someone yesterday told me, hey, I remember seeing your tweet in that match. I was like, ah, praise the Lord. This is good, you know. <laughs> hey. But here's the thing, you know, you, in a story like that, you get so excited, like, wow, super sport. Like, you are on national TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, my name was Pasha Nagaman. And then, boom, there was my tweet. I was like, what? Right? But I hope you tweeted since, though. Yeah, no, no, I did. It was great. Oh, it, was, it was heartfelt, you know. Roger's clear. He's very dear to my heart. Praise the Lord. But um, super sport, right? Recognize it. We get excited, you know. We've had moments uh, in church where, you know, Didi and I will mention someone or Tussle will mention someone, and they're like, wow, the pastor mentioned me, you know, like, like that. Guys, you know the truth is, eh? You are known by God. Right? You are known by God. T just take a second to think about that. You know, I spend some time in, in live streaming. Okay, you know, we do live streams and you talk to the chat, you know, all this stuff. Like what we're doing now. Hey, welcome everybody. You know, and I promise you, the amount of, of, of joy people get where, when they type something in the chat. And you say, hey, you, what's up? Yeah, good. To, you know, when you're interacting with them. It's crazy, you know. And that's great. It's fun. But the point I'm making is that God knows us. Guys, think about that. If you had to sit and contemplate about the fact that God knows you, that there is only one of you that exists in God's eyes. You know, when, when, when you turn onto a live stream and it says, oh, 50,000 people watching, God doesn't see that. He sees the 50,000 names. He doesn't just see them. He knows them intimately. He knows more about them than they know about themselves. Just take a moment and process that. You know, if, if, you, if you're sitting here this morning and, you, you know, you've got some frustrations from things you've got to get done and you're dealing with some emotions or rejection or, you know, insecurity, whatever it is, just think about the fact that the creator of heaven and earth, the one who put you together, not just your body, but your soul. He, he created your soul from himself. Yeah, you should be nodding, Kale. Yeah. Now, some people might be here this morning, oh, Bash, get on with it. I mean, really, God loves us. No, 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 hold on. 
Let's just take a step back because what have we been talking about? We've been talking about relationship with God and relationship with people. And unfortunately, the horizontal one has become one of our checklists. So I call my friend, I should go. Hello? It's like, yeah, but it'd be, it'd be wrong if I don't. You know what I'm saying? Like Lou said this morning, Jesus doesn't do that. That was a bit hectic, eh? When he gave that example, he's like, does Jesus come up to you every day and say, hey, I paid the price for you, you know? I was like, whoa, I never thought about it like that, you know? But are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Is, is, yeah, is, is that um, the way that we are to operate can never be independent of God. But here's the thing. Let's talk about that word independent of or codependent on or dependency, right? We cannot interact with God based on our side effects. I'm going to say that again. We can't interact with God based on our side effects because then we're just creating more side effects. Hello? Because the cure for the side effects is Jesus. Not just interacting with God, it's Jesus. What's our age-old example? I mean, we've seen it. You know, the, let's take a basic side effect. What was that pastor who was spraying doom on the people? He was around somewhere and then getting bitten by snakes and eating grass and, you see, all this stuff. I was like, geez. Yeah, it's very weird. Don't, don't, yeah, anyway. But those are side effects. But now they're dealing with God through the side effects. So when they go away from there, they've got an impression of God that is not truth. Now, if we have an impression of God that isn't true according to who he is in his word, that creates what? More side effects. And eventually, you've got more side effects than that little paper inside that Panada box. I'm telling you. It's the truth. I once saw a, a bottle of medication where the side effect was death. It's like nausea, headaches, death. I'm like, geez, you guys really covered everything. You know? <laughs> I still people, took this. No, I'm people still drink it. <laughs> but are you guys understanding what I'm saying? So when we are, we are going through these things, we're so driven by dealing with the side effects and dealing with the pressure that comes from our own and other people's and the world that we live in that it just becomes our modus operandi. It's just our normal autopilot that, okay, it's one tick box after the next. You know, what's, I always ask people this. You know, it's like, uh, so when else did you spend time with God? It's like, no, I read my Bible today. Oh, wow, that's great. But when last did you spend time with God? I don't know. I worship today. I, I listened to a few songs, you know. Okay, when last did you spend time with God? No, I listened to a few podcasts. When last did you spend time with God? What do you mean? <laughs> relationship. Not a tick box of service. Relationship. When last did you connect with him in your heart? When last did you commit long enough so you could experience that? Are you guys with me? Because we now, even with uh, uh, relating with God, we bring our tick boxes of service. When last did you connect with God? When last did you connect with God? I, I went to church on Sunday. Wait, hold on. <laughs> when last did you connect with God? When, did you, when last did you have intimacy with Him? It comes back, it comes back down to we, we like to listen to the music. We like to listen to a preacher because all of that is it's secondhand stuff. Mm. You understand? And... When we have to sit with God and, and spend time with God, that's when the challenge comes. Are you with me? That's when the challenge comes of you now sitting in the presence of perfection, purity, holiness, somebody who's completely set apart. When you listen to the message from me and Bash, you can still go in your heart and say, yeah, but they also like me, they're also flawed. <laughs> but I understand what they're saying though. Are you with me? But when you sit in the presence of God in absolute purity, perfection, and holiness, mm. we're scared of that. Why are we scared of that? Because we like our side effects. <laughs> Why are we scared of that? We should never have, be scared of it because we still don't trust His love for us. Mm. We think that if we come into His presence, He's going to ask us to give Him something that we can't. Amen? Yeah. That's all it is at the end of the day. You see, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. If there's any fear in us, it's linked to mistrusting God. Yeah. 
Any fear equals there's still a place in your heart you're not trusting God. Because it says His perfect love casts out all of our fear. Excuse me. All of our fear. Amen? But if we can just sit in His presence, even knowing we have flaws, even knowing that we have sins, knowing but trusting in what He did when He sent His Son. His Son was there to make you okay. His Son did what He did so that you can go and sit in His presence, that you can come to the, to the throne of grace and receive in relationship. But we're scared of that. Why? Because we still think the relationship has got something to do with us maintaining it. Are you with me? Yep. Why do you think every pastor that gets up preaches a message, you'll speak about God's love this much, and then you'll speak about terms and conditions this much? Because he still thinks that there's something that he has to bring to the table. The only thing you need to bring to the table is the trust in the finished work of Jesus. That's it. So that you can sit there and receive. And when you're receiving in that place, it doesn't matter how hard the truth is. You know, Jesus is like iron in a velvet glove. When he's hard, it never hurts. Are you with me? He might be, he, when it's a hard truth, it'll never hurt you. His love covers it and brings you up to a place where you take the truth on as, jeez, I, I am this because you said so. Now I'm going to go be this because Jesus made it happen in me. Are you with me? Absolutely. But this is so hard for us to comprehend because we still think there's so much that we need to do. We need to bring to the table. No, it's done. It's done. You need to sit there and radiate in His love, His power, His wisdom. Mm. And that's how you grow. That's, it doesn't matter how challenging it is. You must know that there's a safety net there. It's called the blood of Christ. Amen? doesn't matter what you're carrying. doesn't matter what you've done, how big the sin is. It doesn't matter. Sit in the ray of His love and watch how He mends the heart. That's it. He, he's the only one that can do it. If you're going to go to a pastor, if you're going to go to people, you're going to go to your wife, let me tell you something right now. Flesh cannot fix flesh. People can't fix you and you can't fix you. You need to be in that love. You need to be in that place where it's all that fear has been cast out of, you know, what am I lacking? What am I short of? What, what, have, what haven't I done enough of? Who haven't I been nice to? All that stuff. Just go sit there and all of a sudden when you're done, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, however long it takes, you'll walk out there and the first thing you want to do is love people. It's true. But the thing that's stopping you from going in there is how you treated people in the first place. <laughs> Are you with me? Or how you treated yourself. But God's going, I don't care, just come. That's it. Just come and be with me. Mm. I'm going to love you right out of this thing. Yeah. You know, when he says there, I come to open the eyes and heal the brokenhearted, he's not talking about our eyes, he's talking about our hearts. He's talking about the eyes of our hearts. You see, when Adam decided, okay, I'm not going to look through your eyes, I'm going to now look through my own eyes. At that moment, all our trouble began. Yeah. So Jesus is still, I mean, the Bible still calls us to seek first the kingdom of God and His right way of doing things. Okay? Adam decided, I will not seek your way. It's my righteousness. It's what I think is right. It's my way. Yeah. Do you understand? When you're in your marriage and you're having problems, why are you having problems? Because you're not going to God about your marriage. You're going, I, it's, I'm right. It's my, she must change. He must change. Are you with me? All God is saying is, Seek first the kingdom and his right way of living. That's all he's asking us. He's saying, come, I've got all the answers. I've got all the wisdom. I've got everything you need for this thing right now. But we're going, no, 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 no. He must change. 
He's a blankety-blankety-blank. <laughs> but I love him. But he's a blankety-blank. <laughs> and God is saying, listen, you need a revelation. Do you know what revelation does? Revelation jumps our, it jumps our fence. It jumps our perimeters. It jumps our paradigm. So we're going into the conflict or the relationship or whatever it is, and we're going there with our paradigm, and we're just stuck. We're stuck. We can't get past it because we're waiting for that person to do what they need to do to fix it. So Jesus, you need to go spend time with God so that he can give you a revelation of who you are that will jump or break through your paradigm. Okay, that's why we live by revelation, guys. It'll break the paradigm of you trying to get that person to change, to meet you, to the fact that now you will go and say, oh, geez, that's what a husband does in a, in, in a moment like this. Instead of fighting my wife, right here, I see, I understand, Lord. My paradigm is wrong. I'm so self-righteous. I'm sorry. This is what I must do. Serve my wife. Love my wife. Are you with me? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His right way of doing. Do you know how subtle it is to live in your own righteousness? Do you know what the word righteousness actually means? It means as it should be. That's all it means. So if you're walking around with your own eyes and everything should be as the way you think it should be, you're self-righteous. And if people can't uh, 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 come along and, and line up with what you think it should be, guess what you're going to do? There's going to be no peace in your relationships. There's going to be no peace in your life. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, we just got to go sit there and seek the kingdom. Seek the king and his heart and his way. And everything's going to go right. Huh? It's a long sentence, sorry. I've got, got a bad habit of saying, <laughs> turn to the person next to you and recite this paragraph. <laughs> but, but do you understand? You see, nothing's changed, guys. Adam decided... I'm not going to have a relationship with you. I'm not going to spend time with you. I'm not going to look through your eyes and, and your heart for the world. I'm going to go do it my way. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going through the process with you of growth and give and take. I'm doing it my way. I only see my way. Are you with me? That's what Jesus is saying today. He's saying, just come spend time with me. The second, the second Adam he submitted to me. He fixed it all up. He came and he walked here <coughs> in this meat suit, that Bash likes to call it, and he maintained my eyes. He maintained my sight. That's it. He seeked out my heart. So he's the second Adam who walked like me, saw like me, spoke like me, loved like me, and he dispensed authority like me. He didn't do it like the first one. Yeah. Now, the second one has set the game straight. And because of the second one, you have access to come see my eyes, mm. see through my eyes. You have access to come feel my heart. Yes. You have access, all this right now, just come and get it. Come and take it. So that any conflict, any challenge in your life, when you, when you appropriate it, you're not going to go through your paradigm. What's your paradigm? Like, you know what? My mom, was a good, my mom was a good mom. My wife must be just like my mother. That's your paradigm. <laughs> <clears throat> or my, or, you know what? You'll find a husband that reminds you of your father. And when they don't, when they don't link up and, and it, they don't do exactly what they're supposed to do, guess what? You're going to punish them. Yep. Or the, you're going to land up manipulating them. Or you're going to end up <clears throat> trying to control them to be like the person that you think they should be. Because that's your righteousness. That's your way. Yeah. It must be done this way. I want it now. But honey, can't we sit and chat over a glass of wine? Can't we just, 
you know, buy each other some flowers and get to know, you know, what I like, what I don't. No, you must do it this way. I don't care about what you, how you feel, what you think. We're doing it this way because I'm the man of the house. The Bible says so. You're a homeless man. Yeah. Are you with me? Come on, guys. Yes, you are the man of the house. Like I said earlier, you've got this cockpit with all these tools and you've got to do these tasks. But as the man of the house, as the head of the house, you need to dispense God's heart in the instructions. That's it. You need to lead by love. You need to set the temperature in the house of the heart of God, not of you and what you think is right. Because when we don't do that, when we don't break out of our paradigms, we will put law on each other all day long. Yeah. Expectations, failures, all the side effects. And then we're getting upset with each other 24-7 because we're not getting what we want out of it. Mm. But we're not willing to do the work. What's the work? It's called heart work. Relationships all about heart work. How dare you call somebody in to a framework of marriage and then never get to know what they like or dislike. They must just do what you say. Who the heck do you think you are? Oh. Huh? So it's a bit rough, eh? Listen, God, self-righteousness. It's poison. It's poison. We don't, we don't even realize we live in it. We're dripping with it. And then we, so we, we, we think that we can actually skip out on that time to go sit under God and, and, and be challenged by love. He's not going to challenge you with the law, folks. He's going to challenge you by the level of your love. Do you know how God challenges you by the level of love in your heart? Because the level of fear that you still carry will determine how much of the love you're receiving. Are you with me? If you can go in there perfected by his love, perfected by what he has done, trusting the finished work, trusting the blood, everything that it carries, you're going to go to a whole nother level of righteousness, not yours, but his. That's right. And you will see your partners and your friends and the people and the things through his eyes. Yep. And when you do that, I promise you, family, you know what happens? You change. Not the other person. You change. Ever heard that song, Waiting for the World to Change? Me and all my friends. <laughs> yeah, I know it. <laughs> At the end of the day, the world only changes when your perspective changes. That's it. That's it. When your paradigm breaks. Amen? Yeah. Do you know, I, I used to put the law on my kids. I mean, I know I've, got, I've told you guys, just, just a good example. Uh, Jaden came to me one day and she said to me she wanted to do hair. Now, me and Trisha, we had our own expectations of what Jaden should do. And she came to us and she said hair, and I was like, I want to be a hairdresser. In my heart, in my heart, I was like, I know what my child's potential is. I know what my child can do. Are you with me? And I've got all these expectations and all these things. And guess what? For the next couple of weeks, we didn't even talk to each other. That's how we were fighting. Because she had this desire in her heart and it didn't match up to what my expectation was. My self-righteousness. So what I did was, I, I was like very off about the whole thing. And then I went to pray. Because <laughs> after a couple of days of having my child not talk to me or be awkward around me, I was like, my house doesn't operate like this. I set the temperature. Something's wrong. I need to go and check if it's with me. So I go and I pray and the Holy Spirit shows me that he put the desire in her heart. He's already told her it's okay. I'm the one that's fighting because it's not living up to my expectation. And not only that, because I think it's not as good as being a, a lawyer or a doctor, guess what? It's not even about her. It's about me. Hello? Yeah. <clears throat> Do you see my lack coming onto my child? Now we've got no peace in our home. Because I'm pushing her to fulfill my righteousness. So God says to me, listen here, buddy, get your act together. I've already told this kid. This, I've put that desire in there and she's going to flourish at it. Let it go. I go back, I explain it to her. And uh, she's all happy now because she thinks she won the argument. <laughs> she's yeah, like, yeah, she you mess with me. Yeah, what? 
I'll I take got, you to I got the God on my side. <laughs> what? I'll take you to Big G. <laughs> you know? And and what happened was, I mean, I can't even tell you guys, nothing was working. Trish was running around trying to organize things. We were thinking, okay, what's going on here? What's this child gonna do with it? The moment I let it go, I was the cause of all of the frustration. I was the cause that Trish even landed up doing other bookings of things and stuff that wasn't working out. The moment I, I released that thing in my heart, everything started flowing. Mm. Everything started flowing. She, even, even the appointments that she got where she was going to work landed up being just around the corner from the house. I mean, I can't tell you how God's uh, kingdom, when it, comes into, when it comes into flow with you, how blessed you are. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right way of doing, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are the things? Where are you going to work? How are you going to work? Yep. What are you going to eat? Mm. What are you going to wear? But this is how we put the law on each other. Because it's not the law of God, it's the law of me. Are you with me? It's, it's my expectation. It's my righteousness. It's my view of the world. It's my view of you. Line up or get out. And if you don't, I'll maybe use some witchcraft on you. <laughs> Emotional manipulation. Yeah. Do, you know that, do you know that witchcraft in the Bible is manipulation? So if I in any way try to get my partner or friend or anyone to do something, maybe I'm not using bones and stuff. I might not be using potions. I might not be, uh, you know what I'm saying, going to visit the Sangoma or pulling out the, the guy from underneath the bed. What's his name? The Tokoloshi. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, every, every uh, room that I used to walk into had beds on top of paintings. Do you guys remember that? Because everyone was so scared of the Tokoloshi. Yeah? I looked for that Tokoloshi, guys, everywhere. Not one bed. He wasn't hiding under any bed. But anyway... <laughs> But, so we might not be using those things, but if you just use manipulation, if you dominate somebody, if you subtly try to change who they are in a passive way, a dominant way, it doesn't matter. What you're doing is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. Yeah. You are trying to set that person in a way that will make you happy. Get over yourself, you fraught thing. Go get happy with Jesus. Go get happy and come back and make everyone else happy, okay? Because <laughs> that's the way it's made, and there's no other way you can do it. That's it, guys. Checkmate. If we don't go that way, the rest of our lives are going to be a fat misery. Mm. That's it. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about the mechanic about how that becomes effortless. Because, I mean, everyone here wants that, right? That sounds like, geez, we should be living like this, you know? But let's talk about the mechanic that actually uh, produces that in us because it seek first the kingdom, you know. And, you know, something in, in, in walking with God that really gets overlooked because of those side effects, right, is identity, right? Now, identity has a few phases to it. So what's the first one? You guys know. I'm righteous in Christ. You guys know that one. Okay, you know. That's my identity. I'm righteous in Christ. Woo! That's great. That is true. You should believe that, right? But there are certain depths to you that is beyond your performance. That's beyond your state, whether you're in Adam, whether you're in, in Jesus, right? What, Bash, what are you talking about? How many of you know that we are all equal in Christ? Amen? We are. The Bible tells us that. even tells us there's no favorites in Christ, right? Why? Because we are exactly like him now that we are reborn, Okay? Now, knowing that we're righteous and that we're holy, that we're set apart, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. If at any point we heard all this and we're like, oh, that's nice to know. Do you guys agree that it's of no use to us? Same like the whole world knows. Christ paid the price for their sin. But if you don't believe, what good is it to you? Amen? Are you guys with me? It's the same thing with perfect love casts out all fear. And people in fear tell me that. Pastor. Pastor. Perfect love casts out all fear. And I'm like, amen, but what do you mean? That's what the Bible says. Yeah, but you got the fear. So where's the perfect love? Are you guys with me? If we do not receive that and believe it, receive it, and experience it in our own hearts, it is true. It is amazing. It's great. 
but it is of no benefit to us. Are you with me? And this is the key. You may know all the models. You may know everything that the Bible teaches, the structures, the points, the every, through and through, you may know it. But not experiencing it will never, ever produce any benefit. So perfect love casts out all fear, right? In this relationship paradigm that we're talking about. Our fear of going to people, because it is rooted in fear, going to people and manipulating them to be according to our righteousness, right? That's not in line with God's perfect love, you know? Philemon, verse 6, right? I read it last week. I'm going to read it again this morning. Because this is the mechanic, guys, that all of us need to practice every single day, right? It says here, it says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful because of your accurate knowledge of every good thing which is ours in Christ. Do you know that people will give you a list of everything they need to change before they can tell you what they have in Christ? Now, listen, if you're an unbeliever, that's fine. But if you're a believer, that's a problem. Are you guys with me? It's a big problem. Look at the person next to you. Stare them deep in the eyes. Say, hey, I need to manage myself in Christ. Look at them again. Say, hey. You need to manage yourself in Christ. Are you guys with me? Now let's talk about what that looks like, okay? Because I said we're all equal, right? We all, we have all been bought with the blood. There is not a person alive that is more valuable than another. Amen? Because Christ paid for us all. Amen? And the, the benchmark of our value is God's love. Now when we receive that love, okay, let's bring it a bit closer to home. Okay. Anyone here has a nagging habit about yourself that annoys you? Guess see, what? That was the quickest reaction. <laughs> hey? Every, everyone's like, Psh, bash the list. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right? Keeps me busy all day. <laughs> we all have that, right? And no, I know what Clive's is. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Coffee's great, Clive. Coffee's great. Amen. Praise the Lord. We love coffee. <laughs> The thing is this now is that those, those things, let's start there with ourselves, right? Those things there, how much frustration do they actually cause for you? How much friction do they cause in your relationships? How much insecurity do they give you about yourself? How many times do they affect the way you perceive your value? Are you guys with me? Now here's the thing. Can God create anything bad? No, because there's no bad in him. Therefore, he can't produce anything bad. Are you with me, right? Were you created by God? Yes, you were. You are uniquely, wonderfully, fearfully made. Amen? But now here's the thing. All of us have certain perceptions of ourselves that we deem as burdensome. Hello? Are you guys with me? That we deem as insecurity, we deem as a curse, we deem as whatever it is. Now, if we are to truly experience perfect love, do you know what we need to do? If we are to truly see correctly, right, we need to see that thing the way God sees it. Are you guys with me? Some people be like, oh, pastor, I have OCD. Oh my goodness, I'm going crazy. It's like, well... The problem is, is because your gift of precision is actually working in the side effect. Is that your OCD becomes a, a, a mechanism of control for you because you're in so much fear. But someone who has that level of precision, if you put them in perfect love where they are free and whole and content, watch what they produce. Are you guys with me? Now, when we go to God, just as much as we want to see correct judgments for everything else, we need to see correct judgments against ourselves. Are you with me? What did we read? The acknowledgement of every good thing that is yours in Christ. Amen? You know, you look at someone, you look at someone who has a low self-worth, okay? Well, let's not look at ourselves now. Let's think of someone else in our lives that we know, right? And you know, they're stuck in something, whatever it is. And they're like, they're this much. But, but you see it in them. You see the potential. And you think, 
yes, see, man, if I could just get them to see. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had that? And you speak to them and you try and tell them, like, but listen, but listen. And they say, ah, you know, yeah, nah, nah, you know, maybe, nah, you know. Ah, shame, you're near, right? That there, guys, that exact conversation there is the one that we're struggling to have with God. Listen to what I'm saying. That's the one because there are so many things God has put into us and when he, he's created us with, right, to be grown in his grace, to be fueled by his love to the benefit of everyone else, right, that when we come to him, we're like, nah, nah, you know, nah, I don't know, you're near, Lord. But he's saying to us, he's like, listen, I've given you a justification. I've redeemed you. All these things where you thought you were lower, you were all these, you got to let them go. You got to put them to death in Christ. You've got to take off the limits and see as I see. Again, we always say everyone just looks at behavior. Behavior starts at this point that I'm making now, guys. That is the identity level. You know, people can't even celebrate themselves. I'm a blessing. God created me. I'm freaking great. Hallelujah. So are you, deeds. And so is everyone here. You're a beloved child of God. And you should have the confidence in your heart to celebrate that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. But not seeing through your own eyes or serving yourself. Seeing yourself through Christ. Are you guys with me? Now when we do that, no strings attached. Now when we do that, we, we don't become takers. We become givers. Because you see, if you're a taker, you're living to your limits inside. But when you're a giver, you move into the space of understanding that, wait a minute. This is who I am in Jesus. Are you guys with me? So when we talk about identity, you are righteous. But take it down. Why are you unique? Is it the way you think? Is it your sense of humor? You know, your personality? You know, all these things? People don't talk about that because, I mean, religion, we're trying to get into heaven. We, you know, we haven't got time for that. Listen, you've been set free. You're righteous. But you want joy back in life. Start seeing that joy that God sees, guys. Start seeing the joy. And I promise you, the more you practice it for yourself, the biggest chamos of a person could come in front of you, but you're going to see it in them as well. And you know what's going to happen? The same way that you experience God's love in your heart about that, you're going to give love to that person to awaken them to that. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this. You ever heard the scripture, the spirit gives love, but the letter kills? So the thing is, is that the only time the letter can kill, and just, just grab this, okay, the only time the letter kills is when we go to the letter and the letter says, okay, this is how a good man lives. Or the letter gives us a picture of this is how a good husband is or a good wife is, okay? And then what we do is we take that instruction or that picture and then what we do is we go and filter it through our righteousness and we try to carry that, out in, that instruction out without the spirit, the heart of God. Are you with me? So we actually take the, the letter, carry it out through our own perspective, our own paradigm. This is, you know, the Bible says a good man, but uh, okay, but uh, uh, yeah, a good man is this. And then we just do what a good man does, but we don't have the life of God for the moment. Are you with me? The, you know that the, the, the Jews, they speak of the 70 faces of the Torah. Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard when someone says the multidimensional word, the living word? Okay? So the instruction might be, this is what a good husband looks like. But then you've got to go to the Spirit, and you get the face of that Scripture in that moment for that problem. You don't just take the scripture and go and try and carry the scripture out. You take the scripture, you go find the face, the 70 faces of the Torah. You go find the face, the actual life behind that scripture, and then you bring it to the problem, and you walk it out that way. Are you with me? If we don't do, that's why you've got the Holy Spirit. If you don't Walking out with the Holy Spirit. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians, it says, come on, you've got to turn from the law, from the veil to the Spirit. 
Who's the, who, to the Lord. Who's the Lord in that scripture? The Spirit. He's saying, turn from the veil, your own righteous way of reading. Do you know there's nothing wrong with the law? When it speaks of the veil, every time they read the law, it's talking about them seeing it through their own eyes, their heart of legalism, their heart of performance, their heart of lack. So he says, turn from the law, turn from the veil to the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? So don't just try and carry out the instruction. Go look for the face that that scripture is bringing at that moment in your life. If it's to be a good husband, if it's to be a good wife, if it's to be a good lover, if it's to be a good child, be a good whatever, do it through the living face of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Without Him we have nothing, and this can land up killing us. It'll kill the marriage. It'll kill the relationships. It'll kill the home because you're trying to do it through self, through your own eyes. That's it. Amen? Give God a big round of applause, folks.